This is the Question in Bodies podcast, a catalogue of inconclusive conversations about culture, gender, bodies, literature, movies and horror. With me, your host, Howard David Ingham. In this episode, we appreciate power with guest Tamsin Davis Langley. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Question Bodies podcast. Today, I'm really happy to have as my guest, Tamsin Davis Langley. Tamsin is a writer who specializes in issues about gender inclusion, um, dealing with abuse and stuff in paganism and esoteric circles primarily. Tamsin has been under the pen name Misha Magdalene, a prolific blogger for several years on and off, and is the writer of the fantastic book Outside the Charmed Circle, a book about issues of inclusion in paganism and alternative religion. And today, Tamsin is going to talk to me about an issue that is one of the primary cultural issues that has been absorbing me particularly for several years, and that is Poppy or Grimes. (laughs) So, Tamsin, good to have you on. It's so good to be here. Thank you so much. I'm I'm delighted. And and yes, I, I have well, it's funny because we were chatting earlier today and you made a comment to the effect of, well, I hope you've been doing your, your I hope you've been reading up. And I said, oh, yes, I have. And I, I have very definite opinions on the topic. And then I went back and revisited my opinions and went, I have definite opinions. They're just not binary. I would be disappointed if they were. Shocked uh, and, and yeah, yeah no, so nothing I. So on this I. podcast is binary. Right. <laughs> I just let, let, let's just get that out there. Poppy Grimes. Well, all right. Who's Grimes first? Let's talk about Grimes. Grimes is Canadian. Well, yeah. um, uh, not that we should hold that against her. No, no, not, not at all. <laughs> um, Grimes is Canadian. Grimes is an electronic musician who has gained some notoriety in the past four years, mainly due to her relationship status on Indeed. the whole in the press. Um, apparently there's this elongated muskrat who was involved but, but no she's currently dating Chelsea Maddox so uh, which so. I that yeah becomes a whole another layer of the relationship you know the the, the complicated relationship hot gossip in, yes. in the media but, but but Grimes has a number of albums over the last decades and um, her first First full album was called um, Gady Primes and was a Dune-based concept album. And then there's Halfaxa, which was the one that got people's notice, which was the, which is sort of like a, a quite difficult to listen to electronica album. And then around 2014 to 2014, I think 2013, 2014, she did Visions. Which, uh, 2012. 2012, crikey. It's that long ago. Yeah. So, okay, so she did Visions a decade ago. And Visions was considered significant because she essentially locked herself in a room in a house with no lighting for a month until she made the album and then produced what amounted to possibly one of the first really significant art pop albums of the 2010s, I think. And it's, it's a great record. I, I, and, and it unites both, both people who are synthesizer wonks right 
and people who like pop music in a lot of ways because it's yeah. actually it's the first album that's got 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 sing-alongable tunes on it and then shock and then, horror dismay 2015 she produced um Arse angels which is a storming pop record which is actually where i first heard of her right and it's where a lot of people heard of it because it has yeah it's her first real hit album. You know, Visions right. is one of those ones that all the connoisseurs, like, they're going, you know, like, what's that dude? Um, Anthony Fantano is like there, basically, mm. sort of stroking his chin or whatever right. he does. Art Angels is a pop album. It has um, Guest Spot from Janelle Monet on it. Right. And we could do a whole new poll on the podcast about how great Janelle Monet is. Oh, absolutely. And it has, you know, she's all about the collaborations at that point. It's great. Then she comes into the public eye and then she kicks her heels for three years and doesn't do anything until producing, produces a couple of singles. Notably, um, after hooking up with um, the South African Blood Emerald billionaire, we appreciate power. Which was the first video of hers I saw. Which is, that's a hell of a thing. Although the video oh, of yes. versus Mame on our angels is another thing entirely. It's a beautiful thing. It's basically an entire, I based an entire Vampire the Masquerade campaign on it. Oh, nice. <laughs> on that video. But yeah, anyway, um, yeah, listeners do not have to actually look up what Vampire the Masquerade is, and it's probably better if you don't. <laughs> and then um, We Appreciate Power, which is essentially a pop music hymn to Rocco's Basilisk. Indeed. Indeed. Well, which, you know, she wanted to make sure she was about. on the... Yeah, no, she wanted to make sure she was on the right side of history, you know, a future the, history. Yeah, the right side of history. The, the, the very, very far right yeah, side of history. Yeah, about as right as you can get. I, I, I remember playing this to a friend who, a dear friend, I played this to because I'm like, okay, this is both evil and an absolute banger. Yes. And she yes, listened it to it and she was like, that's fascist. Yes, but also, I want to hear it again. Uh-huh. It's kind it's of like, the, the oral equivalent of Hugo Boss uniforms. Oh, my God. That's, I was just about to say that exact thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, you look at it ass. and you think, you look at it and you think, this is literally tangible. It, this is evil, but make it fashion. This it, is it's, it's, it's awful Lenny and horrible. It's Lenny style in MP4 format. Exactly. Uh, this is, you know, this is a visual representation of everything I despise, but damn, it looks good. Yeah, doesn't she cut and you hate a yourself a fine little. figure in that latex catsuit and that ah, bow, you know? Right, right. Well, and she, she has a thing for, uh, for projectile weapons, I note. Absolutely. You know, because, yes, yeah, the lightsabers especially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, but she, she's shiny got a thing broadswords. for loves a shiny broadsword. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. In um, yeah, no, I, I was just rewatching a couple of her videos and was going, huh? Okay, she's kind of got this sort of hyper pop Saint Sebastian thing going on, you know, pierced with arrows and yeah, it's particularly in which brings us to the present actually because she's yes. gearing up to release another album very soon and has produced two singles from that player of games which is basically a breakup song mm -hmm. and might be about that South African dude who bought PayPal. Or, 
And the other one, more recently, is Shinigami Eyes. Shinigami Eyes. Which yes. is, again, another banger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it seems to be a song about being on a date while getting high and watching Death Note. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and here's even another layer beneath that. Okay. Uh, Shinigami Eyes is, of course, a reference to the anime Death Note. Yes. It is also the name of a Chrome extension, an extension for the, the Google Chrome browser, Ooh, which know that. specifically highlights the usernames people on social media, uh, Twitter, uh, green if they are pro-transgender, if they are safe, if they're allies, and red if they are TERFs, red if they're anti-transgender. This is this is a thing that's existed for a few years. The the lists that are maintained are basically publicly sourced. Uh, so this has become a bit controversial because people have been using the Shinigami Eyes extension as a way of punishing people within the trans community that they feel are insufficiently one thing or another. Oh, <coughs> Isabel Fool. Um <coughs> I remember Isabel. Hashtag I remember Isabel Fall. Yes. Yeah. As we do. Um, I'll probably yes. do an Isabel Fall episode at some point. But yes. Um, yes. And that's a bit of a win. But then, you know, on the, that's that's Grimes. All right. That's basically an overview yeah. of Grimes' career. Grimes' career overlapped with Poppy, um, who we're going to talk about now. It overlapped with Poppy in 2018. They did a collaboration and Poppy guested on one of Grimes's songs and Grimes guested on one of Poppy's songs and then they fell out. Poppy released the song that had Grimes on it. Grimes re-recorded We Appreciate Power with someone else doing the backing vocals. Poppy first appeared <laughs> in about 2014. Is that about right? Um, I think so. There was a video of a pretty blonde girl eating candy floss. And then right. there was a video a couple of videos later, where she looks at the screen and says, I'm Poppy. I am Poppy. I'm Poppy. I'm Poppy. The closed captions on that video have clearly been done by a volunteer because around 13 minutes in, because it's 15 minutes long, and it's the, it's the loop of the same cut over and over again with no changes, internal screaming, say the closed captions at one point. <laughs> and people found Poppy's videos, which are kind of ASMR. They've got kind of ambient sort of like unsettling noise thing going on. And they're against the back, white background. And the people found them unsettling. People found them a bit frightening. They were well, by 2018, when she stopped regularly making those videos, there were over 300 of them. I watched them all for an essay. Oh my gosh. Poppy's character presents as someone who is, someone who is fodder for conspiracy theories. Someone who may not be human, someone who may be a robot, someone who may have been brainwashed, someone who may have been kidnapped, someone who may be abused. A lot of these videos are very, very funny. 
Or maybe I watched so many of them, I was just finding everything funny. Um, oh, at, at a certain point, you just fail your sanity roll. And you just stop going, ah, crack. Ah, right. um, yeah. Hysterical laughter. But she also had a pop career going on. This was in collaboration with a guy who goes under the name of Titanic Sinclair for much of it. And so she produced this bubblegum pop. A lot of the bubblegum pop was fairly straightforward, but her weirdness started feeding into the bubblegum pop thing. It gets kind of complicated because around 2018, Titanic Sinclair is being sued by a former collaborator called Mars Argo, who claimed that he was a horribly abusive partner and manager and that he also stole her shtick to create Poppy. There was a settlement. Everybody came out of it better off in the sense that Poppy and Titanic Sinclair no longer had their names being dragged through the mud, and Mars Argo wound up financially better off, if not emotionally better off. Right. It is difficult to find Mars Argo's work on YouTube anymore. Most of it is long gone. And a lot of this is due to the fact that she apparently suffers from some really bad PTSD over what she claimed at the time Titanic Sinclair did to her. And you have to say allegedly. Right. However, towards the end of 2018, Poppy does one more pop album. And it's quite an odd pop album. It's called Am I a Girl? It's a very interesting album in lots of ways. But it's about that time that she stops making the videos so regularly. Mm -hmm. And then also begins to break character in interviews, which she'd not done up to that point. So she'd be appearing on interviews and would never once break character. She'd always appear as Poppy. Okay. Right. The first time I saw Poppy break character in an interview was to say how awful Grimes was. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Anyway, Poppy um, eventually um, distanced herself from Titanic Sinclair again suggesting and being fairly clear although without saying it exactly clear but being fairly clear that actually Sinclair had basically treated her the way that he treated Mars Argo Mm. allegedly and he's out of the picture when Poppy gets rid of Titanic Sinclair she starts talking candidly in interviews about things and she's actually a fairly opinionated take no nonsense sort of person whose opinions are quite hard on things. She's actually not not the soft kind of doll-like figure she was at all. She's actually quite fierce individual. She's actually, people say stuff and she just goes, well, that's bullshit. But more importantly, Poppy, of course, is very pale and blonde and everything until 2019. And then she went back to her real hair colour, which is black. Right. Her real name is Mariah Pereira. The character of Poppy is kind of dead, but the real Poppy is much more interesting in a lot of ways and is actually an interesting artist, not least because she's actually started doing metal albums, two of them. Indeed. Which have won, been nominated for Metal Album Awards. And she suddenly started being interviewed by Kerrang! and Metal Hammer. And she's done numerous, numerous occasions doing the mid-game show uh, for the WWE. Right. So she's currently, which which is a very kind of metal kind of thing. For those of you it, who it, at home, I'm is. just making metal fingers. Throwing the horns. Throwing the horns. These albums are still very interesting. There's a lot of power pop in them. I mean, you, I presume you've listened to 
some of them. I mean, my, my favorite track off the metal ones is I Disagree, which is just anthemic. I overheard my 13 year old singing loudly along to I Disagree the other day. And I'm like, yes, I have done a good thing. <laughs> I have succeeded in parenting. I just won parenting. Poppy Grimes. That kind of thing. There are parallels there. The fact you've got these artists that have moved from a fairly kind of artsy and alternative and very, very, very online kind of existence. Terminally online. Terminally online. Into something that people who read things like Vanity Fair might agree with. So Poppy is being interviewed in Rolling Stone. Um, Grimes made the cover of Vanity Fair this month and things like that. Right. So that, that's a thing. They're, they're widely publicised the relationship stuff as threatens to at least partially overshadow their actual work. And their personas have been really interesting, but neither of them even now give particularly on-message interviews you said you had thoughts about this. I want to oh, hear absolutely. your thoughts, Tamsin. <laughs> right? So, I, absolutely. So, I came to both Poppy and Grimes independently of reading your work, but your work did uh, inspire me to kind of check them out and, re you know, uh, learn a little bit more about them. And... You know, like so many people, I, for instance, caught the video for We Appreciate Power and was just like, well, this is a horrible message. And my God, this track just slaps. Doesn't it? I want to hear it again. I want to hear banger. it again. It is yeah. absolutely. Also, also one good thing it is, was that a whole lot more people now know what the word capitulate means. Right. Which, apparently there know, was a huge, you. huge spike after we appreciate power dropped if people searching up the meaning of the word capitulate. Yes. I, you know, improving vocabulary. It, know. It, it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> and similarly with Poppy, I was sort of vaguely aware of her in the background. And then I, you know, after reading something you'd written, went and checked her out and went, okay. Okay. I, I kind of see what you've got going on here. It, it, it was interesting because Poppy's, or the earlier work especially, reminded me of nothing so much as uh, Laurie Anderson's solo work. Oh, oh, Superman. Exactly. Exactly. It reminded me of the very intentionally, self-consciously artificial and synthetic affect that Laurie Anderson used on songs like Oh, Superman. Or like yeah. on that whole album, well, on a, a few of those albums, really. And when you brought up the idea of, you know, talking about Poppy V. Grimes, I went and sort of compared the two in my head. And what I came away with was I am inclined to like Poppy more because. Poppy's insincerity is utterly nakedly honest. In okay. you know, the insincerity of the the artifice, if you will, of that persona. Even it is now. Not, even now, absolutely. 
it is not possible to look at what Poppy does and go, oh, well, this is who this person really is. Like, no, this is so clearly a role that she is donning to make a point, to make a piece of artwork, whatever that, you know, whatever you read into that, whatever you read into the message that she's putting forward, it's not possible to look at this and go, okay, this is somebody who's being really earnest and sincere. Like, no, this is a persona. The main thing is, is that she got to choose her persona this time around. Yeah. So her yeah. metal and persona, which is kind of awesome in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't think she comes across as a particularly nice person, but that's also something that's been sung about. Like one of the songs on her current album is called yeah. So Mean, which has her just singing over and over again. How did she get so mean? Mean, right. mean. Right. Well, and I I love that she went from doing this kind of synthesizer heavy avant-garde weirdness to a full-on metal album or you know a, a couple Dude, of just, yeah, yeah yeah just I mean just going out there with it and uh you know being a little bit of an unreconstructed metalhead from the 80s on I threw those albums on and listened to them it was just going my god this is amazing i i want to hear more of what this artist has to say so i look at that and it's like it's a sincere kind of artifice or it is at least an honest kind of artifice yeah and then i look at grimes and i think okay uh you know these songs are bangers but i feel I feel icky after listening to them and at least, you know, to some of them, uh, you, you know, and not just we appreciate power, which, you know, we've all agreed is basically, you know, hyper. We're going to talk some more about that because <laughs> we can unpack that one. Oh uh, my go gosh. On. Yeah. So much. Um, but I found myself with Grimes's work really kind of going, okay, there there are emotional states being expressed in this, or at least being alluded to, but I don't know that I believe that any of, I don't know that I believe that the singer who is expressing this emotional state has ever experienced, I don't know, an emotion. emotion. (laughs) Right. And so, you know, and it, you know, looking back at like art angels, you know, you put on California and it's like, okay, you know, this is a song fundamentally about moving to California from somewhere else and being like, Oh, you know, I thought everything was going to be great. and Wonderful. And why is California so mean to me? And also a banger though. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's a marvelous pop song, but at the end of the day, I came away from it going, do I actually feel like the writer of this song was writing a lyric based in a lived experience? Or did they read about how human beings experience this sensation and go, huh, well, that's interesting. Let's see if we can write a song. Which is completely wild, because that's one one of the songs by Grimes that's clearly documented as having been about a lived experience. Right. right. And yet, 
and yet, yeah. and you know, I I listen to um, I listen to California, and then I listen to something like Taylor Swift's "Welcome to New York," which is you know the opening track on her 1989 album, I believe. Right, and you know, both absolutely pop songs, both you know produced to within an inch of their lives. You know, one it's cannot say. I'm in yeah. Europe. It's a millimeter. Oh, right, right. Even, well, even, yeah. even smaller. <laughs> yeah, even smaller. You know, pr- yeah. produced to produced just polished yeah. to a high sheen. Yeah, yeah. And so there, there is no way that you're going to listen to either of these songs and think, well, this is just a spontaneous one-off they knocked together while they were hanging around in the basement. No, no. no. These are carefully constructed, crafted songs. And perhaps this is my bias speaking, but I came away from California going, huh, okay, it's a, it's a nice enough song, but it's not really catching my emotional engagement. And I come away from Welcome to New York, humming the song in my head and going, okay, yeah, that felt like something that was actually recording an experience and conveying it to share with other people. I mean, moving outside of the remit of this particular episode for one thing, I mean, Tay-Tay right. sounds like she means it. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of her defining points, right? Yeah. Whether, yeah, Ta- well, whether Taylor Swift means it or not, who cares? Ta- Taylor Swift she, sounds like she means it. She and delivers. Yeah, yeah. Grimes often sounds like she doesn't mean it at all, even when she really, really does and says it in right. it's like profoundly from her soul, which it's an interesting point isn't it i mean i mean grew up very rich you know um as opposed to poppy who apparently come um i i I was aware of someone who lived in nashville when Mm -hmm. poppy lived there and who had circles that intersected with the circles that the that poppy moved in 10 years ago right and what they knew of her was that she was basically someone who essentially was incredibly driven and worked very very hard to get mm-hmm. anything at all worked incredibly hard right grimes grimes grew up grew up fabulously rich as i understand it fabulously rich very online um fell into making music because she she sort of like had an assignment in a coding class and found out she was quite good at making producing Right. Presumably she's had music lessons as a kid. You know, you don't like just right. fall into like producing without I'll having just, some you know, knowledge of music. Right. Um, randomly start composing. Why yeah, not? yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, evidently she like had piano lessons or something as a kid. Right. You know, that's sure. That's a thing. Right. I'm kind of you also get the impression when you talk to Grimes, Grimes says stuff in interviews and she just says she just says whatever comes into her head, whether it's real or not, sometimes because she just thinks it's funny. And then the press who don't know how to deal with somebody who doesn't care about what they're saying and doesn't know how to brand manage herself. So she posted this thing on Instagram where she talked about her daily routine, which was essentially this ridiculously silly, completely over the top, hilarious diet and exercise routine about chakras and like energy (sighs) drinks and like six hours meditating with Hannah and all that other stuff. Right. And people just went nuts about it. And it's like, you know, you're looking at it and you're like, it's obviously a troll. Right. And me, the, like one of the most recent interviews she did, 
she just up and said, like, in a kind of like, oh, this was funny kind of way, that she'd apparently orchestrated a DDoS attack against the website. I had, saw like, posted this. some horrible pat pictures and some untrue gossip about her. And right. it's like, on the one hand, you kind of go, well, good for you. Good for you, Claire. But on the so other hand, play. you go, you are aware that in Canada, where you were living at the time, there's no statute of limitations, and that's actually an imprisonable offence. <laughs> you you are actually publicly confessing to a crime. Yeah, like a like a crime that could get you yeah. to jail. I mean, she's not going to jail, right? Because she can afford the best lawyers in the world, right? And it doesn't right, matter, right. right? But she's just publicly confessing to it, just off the top. And she she hooked up with with that. That guy who once presented South Saturday Night Live as um, the, the, the submarine fetishist because of a pun about Rocco's basilisk that they shared on Twitter, which wound up with him sliding into her DMs. And then right. the result being two children with really ridiculous names. <sighs> you just think, what is going on? And the, the Rocco's basilisk thing. No. Would you like to explain Rocco's Basilisk or would you like me to? Because this, this is the thing, it's like... Well, so my understanding of Rocco's Basilisk is that this is essentially a thought experiment, not unlike Pascal's Wager. Very like Pascal's Wager, only kind Indeed. of the crap version. Yeah, which, you know, which posits that at some undefined point in the future, uh, there will come into existence an artificial intelligence, a singularity of awareness, you know, hyper-intelligent computer, which will be benevolent towards those that it likes and incredibly malevolent towards, you know, the rest of us. Jeff Bezos, basically. Right, right. Precisely. And so the idea behind the basilisk, you know, the the, the AI, we're calling Rocco's basilisk, um, the idea behind the thought experiment is that if you want to be on the good side of the basilisk when it comes into existence, which could be a thousand years from now or 10 minutes from now, or perhaps it's already here, um, you should absolutely be on its good side. You should speak well of it. You should, you know, basically- well, to ensure the singularity happens. And, and work to ensure that, yeah, absolutely. And so, it, you know, it's not unlike Pascal's wager in that, you know, pa Blaise Pascal was basically saying, if you believe in God and there is no God, then you've just been a good person. If you believe in, if you believe in God and there is a God, yeah, you go to heaven. If there is a God and you don't believe in God, you go to hell for all eternity. So why not believe in God and be safe? But also, so he, like, he, because Pascal is a mathematician, right. he phrases it in terms of betting probabilities. It's basically either finite loss, which isn't really a loss anyway, it's just breaking even, right. versus an infinite loss in a finite gain. Right. Right? So it's a finite loss versus an infinite gain or a finite gain versus an infinite loss is basically saying and of course the problem with that is that while on the one hand that's one of the basic foundations of game theory 
Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it doesn't work as a religious philosophy, partly because it doesn't include the idea that perhaps some people might not believe, might believe in a God and might be good people, but they might believe in a completely different religion. And right. it also doesn't take into account the fact that the Christian religion explicitly discounts, like explicitly in that actual Bible we have here, right, right. discounts believing in God for profit. Right. Well, and, you know, you, you look at that question of, uh, you know, can you choose to believe? Is faith a choice or is faith an action or is faith just a state of being that you are in? You know, do I believe in the sun? Well, belief doesn't really enter in. I look at it out the window right here and I see the sun. So there is the sun. So and the thing about Rocco's Basilisk, right? It yeah. came up on the Less Wrong forums, which are apparently so-called because you can go anywhere else on the internet and be less wrong than them. And <laughs> the guy who came up with it, Rocco, it's called the Basilisk because the moment you look at it and consider it is the moment where it gets you, like the mythological creature that turns you to stone when you look at it. Right. Um, so basically, it's it's the game. It's the game, which again, oh, the game. Thanks for bringing that up, Tamsin. You're welcome. Uh, yes. Now we've got to My think about the game. You. It's like the well, dog and orange penguin thing, you know? Right, um, right. And now everyone who's listening to this podcast has both lost the game and been infected with Rocco's Basilisk. And they've gone, wait, an orange penguin? <laughs> and Rocco's Basilisk as well, because the main thing is, is that Rocco's Basilisk, the Basilisk will essentially create virtual copies of you to torture in a, in a digital eternity in the future if you're a bad person. But one, that assumes that an AI is going to think like a Silicon Valley tech bro. Indeed. Which, to be fair, isn't necessarily that wrong because who's programming the AIs? Right. Our systems reify all of our flaws. But the other thing is about posterity. And this is the thing, because I'm not scared about the idea of a digital copy of me being tormented in a digital hell. Because it's not me. Right. Because the, the problem with uploading of consciousness is that our consciousness is not simply a thing that you can take out of your head and put in a computer. Because we have bodies. And these bodies govern our experience. Mm-hmm. And they govern our condition. They govern our, the way in which we look out the world. They are the vehicle through which we experience the world. You can't be a disembodied set of data in a computer so you are you are positing here the notion that consciousness is an emergent phenomenon of our meat, essentially. Yes, which I think your average cyberpunk or te- Silicon Valley bro or or indeed Grimes would um, disagree with, because I, um, you're yeah. not even alive if you're not backed up on a backed drive. Backed up on a drive. Yes. So indeed. So so you have that thing but the reason that a silicon valley tech bros find it so terrifying 
you know, if you Google Royco's Basilisk and we invite anybody watching, watching, listening to this podcast to Google Royco's Basilisk, you will find about half a dozen articles about how it's the world's most terrifying thought experiment. Do you find it scary, Tamsin? No. I, 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 if I can be perfectly unvarnished here for a moment. Go on. I find it the usual sort of masturbatory intellectual diversions come up with by people who have far more time on their hands than is really indicated on the label. You know, it's like, okay, yes, that's very clever. I am not terrified by a thought experiment about a hypothetical evil computer god at some point in the future tormenting a digital, after I'm dead, torturing a digital version of me. What I'm terrified of is the powers that be right now, today, in this world, in, you know, other locations in the country I live in or the country you live in, who are on record as saying they want to kill me. Yes. Elected officials in the United States publicly saying that transgender people should be lined up in front of a firing squad and shot. That's what terrifies me. You know, people having a wank over the idea of, ooh, spooky AI might come to get you if you don't believe in it. But it matters because the sort of people who find Roko's Basilisk terrifying are the sort of people who want you dead. Absolutely. And part of that is because they have a different idea of posterity Mm -hmm. to us. Oh, yeah. Because those of us who grew up poor, those of us who are gender non-conforming, who are like 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 us like yeah, you yeah. are you know not part of the in group we don't get a posterity right the people who love us remember us right but we don't yeah. appear in encyclopedias you know these are the Rocco's basilisk is the same scares the people who are upset when confederate generals get their statues taken down And speaking as someone who is descended from uh, a general in that civil war uh, on the Union side, not the Confederate side. Still. Yeah, that's yeah. But still, yeah. No, uh, my uh, my mother's grandmother was uh, from the Burnside family, so is related to General Ambrose Burnside who is best remembered today for lending his name to the facial hair feature sideburns. Wow. There you go. That's, that's, that's actually my... pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> I, I can't, I'm yeah. not going to complain. Well, and, and, you know, good thing, because he was a shit general. My God, the man was <laughs> just absolutely a disaster. It's like Lord Sandwich, isn't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. Lord Sandwich. Just, I mean, what did Lord Sandwich actually do? He did actually give his name to, to a tasty lunchtime snack. So, right. right. You know, and really, uh, what's better? You know, ineffectually murdering a bunch of people? Accoutrement. Accoutrements. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with fashion. Yeah, yeah, totally. Or indeed snacks. Don't, yeah. Who doesn't like a snack? Um, oh, I'm hungry oh, now. Right, actually. But yeah, um... <laughs> The sort of people who 
are scared of their memory being impugned after they're dead because it matters to them. That's why it scares them. And that's why it's part of that world. And that's why it's a right-wing thing. And that's why a song like We Appreciate Power is essentially so insidious, as well as banging and being on my problematic faves playlist. Oh, 100%. I wonder how much of this isn't at its core a an aversion to and phobia about mortality yes at its core i think this is all an attempt at denying the reality of death which again poor people and marginalized people are better at dealing with that well yeah we don't have the luxury of pretending that we're not going to kick it yeah and we do have uh, to be uh, sharp ends as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things my partner and I frequently discuss is that, so we both come from, uh, what's the terminology? Economically disadvantaged backgrounds. Solidarity. Right. You know, I mean, we're doing quite well now. Thank you very much. Um, you know, we, we are uh, reasonably safe and secure. Uh, as as much as one can be in the capitalist hellscape that we are all living in in 2022. Oh, yeah. And and there there are my sociopolitical sympathies thrown out on the table. Um, but <laughs> people from socioeconomic backgrounds of poverty, uh, you know, let's say relative poverty. Uh, tend to have increased negative outcomes for things like health issues. Yep. Whether we're talking physical health or mental health. And the line between those two can be fuzzy. Uh, You know, they tend to have increased negative outcomes when you look at things like how their identities impact their, their survival odds, to put it bluntly. Um, yep. y- you know, and to, to phrase that a different way, poor people tend to be hate crimed more. They tend to uh, uh, unalive themselves more. They tend to have, you know, worse outcomes. And this is yep. not saying, oh, rich people don't, you know, rich people are never sad. Rich people never have. Uh, ideation or our victims like no because if no, there's one thing saying. that's come up in the last six months elon musk is not a happy guy right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and and uh, i i've reserved about five minutes later today to feel bad about that but i might have to reschedule um feel free you know you can just put that back <laughs> we'll just you know put that on hold but yeah um Poor people, uh, economically and socially disadvantaged people, do not have the luxury of saying, oh, let's have a thought experiment where we don't ever have to die because we will upload our consciousnesses into a computer somewhere. Which you is know, the it's thing as well, right? Yeah. 
because I mean that's that 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 makes the class divide a species divide, because someone's going to have to pay for the space in which you mm -hmm. hold all that data. Someone's going to have to pay for the servers. So and we're back to, to later. And we are back to the haves and the have-nots. Yeah, you can either afford class. to get uploaded. And it's not going to be yes. you getting uploaded. I don't believe that for a second, right? I'm, I'm very much about consciousness being a phenomenon of the body. Um, right. But, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, you can either afford to um, become some sort of like weird AI that's probably going to be mad. Or... Or Morlock. Yeah. I don't know. I've always kind of like felt kind of all right with the Morlocks. Um, I, I, you know, I am, my sympathies have always been with the Morlocks and the monsters. Then again, I mean, I look I like a monster. One, so, you know. <laughs> oh, pish tosh. No, you don't. Um, but yeah, we are looking at just a reiteration of hierarchical thinking, which Ultimately, I, my, my hypothesis here is that hierarchical thinking always, always the end result is fascism. It is always the haves, the have-nots, the rich and the poor, the Ubermenschen and the Untermenschen. Yep. And what we're seeing now is the basic divide in our government between the people who, for example, put foreign children in concentration camps yes, and the people who are sad about putting foreign children in concentration camps and get upset if you call them concentration camps. <laughs> um, Meanwhile, I'm over here saying, um, yeah, they're concentration camps. How dare you say that? Well, this rabbi told me that that's how she refers to them. What are you looking for from me? What are you looking for? Yeah. I mean, let's just good other thing about concentration camps is like, you, do you know who set up the first concentration camps? The United States? No, the UK. Oh. In the Boer well, War. It was gonna oh, be, okay. I mean, that was gonna be your second choice, wasn't it? You know? Yeah. I mean, it it was either going to be us or or the UK. So yeah. Yeah. See, but, I, I, I was thinking of the um oh, they're not concentration camps, the internment camps. Uh, in the U.S. at places like Manzanar. Yeah. You know, apparently someone was released from Guantanamo Bay um, this week who'd been there since 2003. Stone the crows. I know, right? Um, but, I mean, this, 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 ha, what's wild is that we got from pop music to this, which is kind of what I was hoping would happen, actually. I kind of, you know, I knew I could rely upon you to get us here. Right. Thank you so much. Um, and this is why it matters, because all of these currents, don't they all sort of like move towards, they're all connected. Things aren't disconnected. You can't, for example, look at a Marvel movie without seeing a little bit of, for example, the military industrial machine as Absolutely. well. Like Captain Marvel was made in particularly Captain Marvel. That's a classic example because on the one hand it's the girl boss superhero movie. And right, right. on the other hand, it was made with the cooperation 
of the USAF while Brie Larson was making propaganda films for the USAF. Right. And Captain Marvel is a propaganda film for the USAF, mm-hmm. among other things. You know, well, I, I, I would even go a little further and say that fundamentally, it, it is a propaganda film for the USAF, but it is also a propaganda film for <clears throat> the American way of life. Which is all about being, you know, free to wear nine inch nails t shirts and leather jackets and steal some douchebag's motorcycle and, you know, resist tyranny, which of course is never coming from inside the house. It's always, no. you know, the evil bad guys. I mean, I mean, I think that you have um, the fact that Zack Snyder could quite easily make basically a fascist Superman movie mm-hmm. or three fascist Superman movies. Yes. Um, and people, a lot of people are be like, well, that's not Superman. It's like truth, justice in the American way. One of those things is not like the others. Mm hmm. Well, America has sold itself on its own mythology for so long uh, that, and, and I cannot exclude myself from this cultural influence as much as I might wish I could, uh, but I am at least trying to be aware of it. Um, America has sold itself on its own mythology for so long that we're no longer even reading the myths in the original. We are reading a translation of a translation of a translation of a translation, which is why there are people driving around with, you know, giant uh, four-wheel drive trucks with, you know, the 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 applied, uh, not paint jobs, but, you know, like the, the sort of decal skins on uh-huh. these trucks. Bald eagles and flags and guns and, you know, America first slogans on them. And it's just like, do you sincerely think that the founding fathers that you're alluding to with this truck decal you have with, you know, a picture of the the Declaration of Independence on it would recognize what you're doing here as a continuation of the social experiment they were starting. And, you know, we can get into it. And that is a debatable question, I think. And, and I think because you've seen similar things happen in the UK as right. well. Oh, absolutely. And part of that, I remember some years ago, and I think it's like a previous iteration of a British foreign secretary said one mm. of the great things about the um, British Empire, unlike a lot of the other empires, is that we didn't have to sweep our history under the carpet. <laughs> and only someone, someone could only say that if, we'd been so good at sweeping it under the carpet. You could. Oh, oh, bless us. We're we're all screwed, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I've had conversations with people where I will say something critical about uh, something that the UK has done or something that some other country has done. And someone will respond to the effect of, well, how dare you say that? I mean, you live in America. And I go, yeah, I know. Sucks, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, well, what are you looking I mean, for from me? I'm not going to deny that the country I live in has a horrifying history. 
you know, start with the genocide of the indigenous people of this continent. Starting there, I mean, I mean, you know, so going back to trans people dead as well, right? Oh, it's yeah. Just, it happens yeah, yeah. to be the left as well that wants it, which is a wild thing in its own right. But uh, we're, we're just a bit more polite about it. I think in closing, though, let's pull it back to pop music, because while yeah, yeah. on one hand you've got Grimes, who's basically a product of exactly that kind of posterity, wealth, military industrial thing, unknowing thing, and basically just being a shitpost in human form when she's not making music. Um, my favorite, sometimes even when she is. One of my favourite, favourite um, things that anybody online said about Grimes was, Grimes was the result of a project by a group of accelerationists who wanted to see what happened if we sent Boxy to UER. <laughs> Which is even funnier <laughs> if you actually think about the fact that you need to know who Boxy was. Right. To get that. And the fact that you need to know who Boxy was to find that funny is funny in its own right. I mean, there's no the Grimes joke ever. <laughs> On the other hand, Poppy can unironically sing a song that has the chorus, let it all burn down, we'll be safe and sound when it all burns down. Yeah. And so while Grimes might have some banging tunes, my heart's with Poppy. Which is precisely where we began. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a good good point to close on because um, that's that, that's our hour. So, Tamsin Davis Langley, do you have you got anything at the moment that you'd like to plug before I draw this to a close? Talk about your book. <laughs> I, I was going to say, what, what's that quote about? I have nothing to declare about my genius. Well, it's that um, too, you know. Uh, you know, though I, I, you know, perhaps wouldn't have used the word genius, but yes, at your suggestion, I do have a book under my pen name of Misha Magdalene. Uh, I had published for me by my publishers a book titled "Outside the Charmed Circle: Exploring Gender and Sexuality in Magical Practice," uh, published by the lovely folks at Llewellyn Worldwide, and. It came out at the remarkably auspicious moment of January 2020, which meant that I had two whole months of being able to do publicity for the book before the world shut down. I mean, fair uh, play, a lot of people had a lot of reading time. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I was able to do a few virtual events and basically say, hey, uh, book, thing, read if you like, go for it. Um, and, and I have been told that it has been, uh, well received by the folks who have read it, which is a, uh, a delight for me. I received it, makes it me, well. I, 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 I greatly appreciate hearing that. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so outside the charmed circle, it is a book, as I said, about gender and sexuality and magical practice. Uh, in the, you know, spooky occult woo-woo witchcraft way, not the, uh, you know, tuxedos and rabbits and hats way. Although we do need more queer stage magicians. Oh, absolutely. I think that would be spectacular for someone who isn't me to write about. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it is also a book about um, 
well, necessarily about my childhood and the importance of Van Halen and the police to discussing issues of consent and power. And yeah, how Dungeons and Dragons really did lead me to witchcraft, just like the Chick Tract said it would. I mean, Jack Chick had to be right once. Okay, well, it's been an absolute (laughs) delight um, talking with you, and I look forward to having you on the podcast again sometime soon. So thanks once again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been a joy. Questioning Bodies is an independent podcast hosted and edited by me, Howard David Ingham. Music is by Stephen Horry. Thanks for listening.